are now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. Another exciting episode. Today, I have in the house, well, not my house, <laughs> in your house and my house because we're on Zoom, uh, Jeff Grimm, NP, and that stands for Nurse Practitioner. Um, I met Jeff, uh, oh, I don't know, a few years ago through a, through a mutual friend. Um, my friend uh, is one of the few people that geeks out on health as much as I do, and he's like, man, you've got to meet this guy, man. He's he's one of the only guys that might be as healthy as you. And I was like, okay, I want to meet this guy. And um, we finally met and we hit it off and um, you're helping a lot of people. And I want to really get into like your background and this kind of stuff. And then we'll get into the coronavirus and then maybe give people some tips on what they can do based on your knowledge. Cause I know you're like the super scientist. So everybody welcome Jeff Grimm, nurse practitioner, Jeff, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with, uh, your viewers and uh, we've got some exciting things to talk about today for sure uh, in terms of uh, this COVID uh, pandemic but yeah just a little bit about me to kick things off uh, my name yeah, is where, yeah I want to know where you're like how'd you get into this whole healthy stuff that's, that'd be cool to know yeah so I'm in my 40s now but yeah, from an early age I took an interest in uh, healthy eating I started cooking for myself when I was 17 I became a vegetarian when I was 17, so about 25 years ago. And uh, you know, when I was 19, I got diagnosed with a uh, uh, not super common autoimmune disease, and uh, my brother actually was diagnosed uh, similarly a few years later. So I, uh, through my own sort of journey of trying to get healthy, have uh, learned a lot. I went into medicine as a second career, uh, went back to school around age 30, which took me to uh, Columbia University in New York, where I did my training. Uh, after living and studying and working in New York, I came out to the West Coast where I'm from, settled in Portland about 10 years ago, and have had a practice in various parts of town in Portland since then, uh, on the east side and, and Beaverton. And now I have a, a small boutique practice in Northwest Portland called BioLounge PDX. So really, I'm very passionate primarily about preventing and reversing chronic disease. I think that is what we are aiming to do here. We do a lot of diagnostic tests to see how people are doing health-wise, even to see how old they are biologically, so that we can intervene on their behalf using a highly individualized program to get people healthier, which many elements of that are lifestyle, of course. That's what's driving most disease and is the most obvious contributor to uh, poor health in the United States. So addressing things like you know, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, uh, Alzheimer's risk, cancer risk, et cetera. Uh, we also do IV therapies, so I've been doing intravenous therapy for about 10 years as well. That's everything from vitamin C to iron, uh, and we have a lot of experience with different protocols around that. Uh, nutrients, even things like NAD delivered intravenously. Uh, and my, I have a sort of a special interest both in hormone therapies as well as anti-aging medicine in general, which uh, really just in the last year or two has gotten very interesting in terms of the uh, human, uh, first ever human clinical trial data showing that you can uh, probably get life extension in humans through a variety of things. Of course, through diet, we know, but other uh, novel uh, approaches as well. Yeah. And can you tell the listeners what your age is again? <laughs> I'm 42 currently. And, uh, you know, uh, you can well, actually... You don't look like a lot of 42-year-olds out there. Well, Especially I still... that head of hair you got, buddy. Yeah, I've got like the hair Bob... with uh, Fabio. genetic, it turns out. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think if you take care of yourself, it shows, uh, obviously, uh, if you eat good. And I've eaten, uh, you know, mostly organic for over 20 years and I have not eaten any meat or fish in 25 years. And, you know, there's a lot of studies on vegetarian diet for health and longevity. So maybe that's starting to translate here. Yeah, well, proof's in the pudding. And I like, I always like meeting and, and learning from other people that have, you know, taken their own health in their hands, become their own doctor, basically, and learn how to create a lifestyle that supports ideal health and a fit body. And you're, you're definitely one of those people, Jeff. So one thing that I wanted to ask you was like, you know, you, when you became a nurse practitioner, can you explain exactly what a nurse practitioner is and they do in the, in the, the you know, the, the normal sense? I know you've kind of maybe morphed a little bit away from that because you're so 
into things and reading and science and all that. So what exactly does a nurse practitioner do in like, you know, regular nurse practitioner life? Yeah, most of the nurse practitioners you would run into in the United States are doing primary care. So they're, they're fairly, uh, you know, indistinguishable from uh, primary care physicians. Uh, so they manage chronic disease uh, in inpatient and outpatient settings. Uh, through the various programs in the United States, uh, nurses who have a bachelor's degree in nursing can go back to school and get their master's degree in nursing and then apply for their nurse practitioner license, which enables them uh, to manage and treat chronic disease, write prescriptions, and in, in very many ways and almost identically uh, to treat patients uh, identically to a primary care physician. And most states now in the United States uh, give autonomy to nurse practitioners. That means uh, they don't need to work like underneath a physician in order to do primary care. Uh, that's true of Oregon and Washington, uh, for example. So basically, if you ran into a nurse practitioner and you saw them for medicine stuff, you would think you were saying you're a doctor for the most part. There are some other subspecialties within that. So for example, there are nurse practitioners that do uh, pediatrics. There are nurse practitioners that do psychiatry. They're called psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners. Mm -hmm. Again, they're, they're fairly indistinguishable from psychiatrists. Uh, but the, the, the bulk of NPs, you know, uh, by and large are doing uh, primary care or maybe women's health or psychiatric mental health. Okay. All right. Well, I just learned a lot. I wasn't exactly sure. Um, I had no idea. So it sounds like you're pretty much like a doctor to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the uh, easy way to sort of explain it. And yeah. you know, in most states, we have the authority to do uh, most elements, if not all elements of primary care. Right, care right. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you guys have a lot of stuff going on over there. I'm like, you know, in my mind, you said nurse practitioner. I'm like, man, he does a lot of stuff for what, for just, you know, like a nurse, right? So obviously now I get it. Makes sense. That's good. Yeah. So what did you notice like when you were working at, when you came out, I know you worked at other clinics and stuff like that. What, what was it that was going on there that made you decide that you wanted to open up your own practice? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, I had a great experience working at a variety of places. I've worked in both allopathic clinics uh, driven by uh, MDs. I've worked in uh, two naturopathic clinics in town. So kind of the spectrum. Well, that's a good background. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I, there was one clinic I worked at where we had a naturopath, a physician's assistant, a, uh, uh, two medical doctors, a osteopathic physician, mm -hmm. you know, and myself. So uh, it's interesting working with the sort of bevy of uh, providers out there and seeing how people practice and approach medicine differently. But basically opening my own clinic enabled me to sort of control my branding and uh, have a space that's focused exactly in the way that I like. So I was able to sort of birth and deliver my brand of medicine to the public. So that's what we are doing here at BioLounge currently. Yeah, and kind of blend in your, your lifestyle, basically, and what you do as well. And yeah, what I think you, what you, basically what you're passionate about and help people. Yep, it's a, it's a better expression of my passion, uh, you know, in the in the storefront part of our business and, and how it's branded and what we do on our Instagram and other things. So it's a better reflection of who I am and what I'm interested in. And I feel like in many ways, it's sort of an open source, transparent delivery of uh, cutting and leading edge new medical ideas to the general public. Okay. And so most, what would you say most people are doing just, just to wrap up what you do, what are the, like the wheelhouse of types of clients that are coming to see you? What are they coming to see you for? Yeah, great question. So uh, a lot of our patients are dealing with hormone issues. I would say that's a, a good bulk of them, uh, male and female hormone uh, regulation issues. Uh, we work a lot with uh, stress, sleep, weight loss, uh, um, even cardiovascular disease. We've got a program now to help try to reverse uh, Alzheimer's disease, which is based uh, on a guy named Dr. Bredesen's work. But the bulk of what I do, I think a lot of it and a lot of patients we're attracting now mm -hmm. are genuinely, their, their thing is, uh, hey, Jeff, I want to know how I'm doing health-wise. I want to see how I'm aging. And I want to make sure I'm on a good plan to stay healthy so that I don't end up on 20 drugs when I'm 70 and I can't you know, go golfing or pick up my grandkids when I'm 80. So increasingly, that seems to be the type of client we're attracting. It's, it's that group of people that are really interested in a snapshot of their biology and they want me to tell them how to, how to tweak or optimize their, their biological function so they stay healthy for the long term. And really, I think in, in the 
that's really my interest. I want to I want to see how people are doing, and I want to uh, sort of turn on any levers that we can to optimize cellular function so that their last chapter, their last 30 years of life is not fraught with chronic disease and disability, that they're right. just jamming, you know, they're jamming right up until the end. And we have the tools to, to sort of assess that as people go along. They're just really underutilized in conventional medicine, but they're there. They're, they're validated. They're not that complicated. There's, you know, blood tests, DNA tests, and other things that we can look at. Yeah. I know when I went to the Hippocrates Health Institute, uh, the director, Dr. Brian Clement, came out and he said that, he said, you know, when people come here, there's two camps of people. You're either enlightened or frightened. And it's one of those two. You're enlightened, which is, seems like the, the types of clients that you're connecting with now, which is great. And, you know, most people, though, are, are doing this stuff out of fear because they get a diagnosis or like you said, they, you know, they did shitty things to themselves for a long time. And there's, there's consequences to those choices. And, and sometimes those choices are theirs to make. But then there's other things that they didn't really have a choice with, with like stuff in the food that they didn't know that was in the food that they were eating, or they're living next to a, a cell phone tower, or they're drinking polluted water with lead in it, or, you know, whatever. And then there's all these contributing factors. So um, it's, and he told me in like 60 years ago, when he started this work, everybody was doing it out of fear. And now today it's about a 50, 50, 50% 50 of people are coming in like you. This is a good sign, man. This is a good sign that people are like looking around saying, Hey, wait, I don't want to, I don't want to do the same thing that happened to my friend. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to go down the same road as my, my sister, my brother. And, um, people are starting to take their health into their own hands and get ahead of the curve. And, and, um, I think you're meeting them right where they need to be in a really, you know, clinical scientific and results driven, um, uh, program that also helps them. And, Cause you also talk about diet and, and lifestyle and stuff. So, um, I just want to applaud you for that. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we're going to get into the coronavirus with uh, nurse practitioner, Jeff Grimm from BioLoungePDX.com. That's BioLoungePDX.com. We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with weight loss, helps with hunger cravings, and helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. We offer Green 85 in bundles on our auto ship program for even greater savings. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Tim James here with Jeff Grimm, nurse practitioner. Uh, his company is called BioLoungePDX.com. That's BioLoungePDX.com. And Jeff, um, we just uh, went through your uh, your story and kind of how you got into all this. And it sounds like you, um, and I know you're like super science man, which is great because um, I just don't have time anymore to go nerding out on that kind of stuff. I just like try it on myself and see if it works. <laughs> definitely, uh, I definitely read a lot. Uh, still, yeah. uh, man, there are so many studies coming out every day, even in regards to this COVID-19. Uh, it took me, you know, an hour just to go through the number of published studies just in the month of March, uh, because so many studies, uh, got kind of fast tracked and mm -hmm. there, are, there are probably thousands of people looking at, uh, studies into this now, you know, why certain people get sick, uh, what drugs might be useful for this uh, issue, how it's spread, uh, you know, in, in sort of vitro petri dish studies, looking at how this virus operates and works. There's people trying to frantically uh, come up with uh, vaccines and so forth. Yeah, it's kind of a, um, that's, that's good that you are able to, to do that. I know Dr. I just mentioned Dr. Clement and his wife that that's what they do for fun. They lay in bed and read studies <laughs> all the time. Yeah. He's, he's like, I'm not quite that time. bad, but probably pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time he said he was, he was telling a story and he was like, um, looking at something and his, his wife or something said, here, I gotta, I gotta shut that off. She's like, uh, aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> And she's like, I knew it because they've been having a discussion about something for like a decade or something. She uh -huh. found something in the study and, and she was right and he was wrong. Yeah, there you <laughs> Which go. Is typically the thing. I mean, us guys just got to get it figured out that the women are always right and that's the way it is and it's okay. Yeah. You know. All right, man. So let's get into the COVID virus here, the coronavirus. And, um, you know, what are you seeing out there um, 
that what, what's what do, what's your take on this whole thing? And then how, yeah. how do we how do we, and then we'll give some people some ideas on how they can you know, I have build some, of, Yeah, I've got some general thoughts on this topic, and uh, you know, this is evolving every day. So whatever yep. I say yep. today could be wrong tomorrow. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Uh, but basically, you know, my sense is we really just were not prepared for something like this. Uh, it seems obvious everywhere you look. Uh, this disease is worse in some people than others, especially people who get exposed, who have other chronic health conditions, particularly uh, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and lung disease. These people uh, seem to be hit much harder. And the reason they go into pulmonary failure and fibrosis has a lot to do with uh, in their, their immune inflammatory response. So if you or I get hit with a uh, coronavirus or something, you know, if our immune systems are strong and we're already not in an inflamed or hyper reactive state, mm -hmm. uh, and we have a good adaptive stress response, uh, then our body may inflame a little bit, but it's not going to cascade out of control. But there are many individuals who, upon provoking them with one of these pathogens, their system responds with a sort of hyper reaction. I think you can think of it in a similar way as to almost like an allergy attack. You know, why, you know, if you give a little mercury to one person, do they fall over and can't handle it? And you give it to somebody else and they tolerate it just fine. Or even Lyme's disease. You expose two different people to Lyme's disease. Uh, one person goes down a really uh, terrible health track yeah. uh, with chronic issues and the other person uh, kind of gets through it just fine. And I think it has to do with a lot of things. And there's probably some genetics at play here too, but certainly how burdened is that organism or is that person when they get exposed to this, this one more thing, is their bucket already overflowing mm -hmm. with viruses and diseases and inflammation and pathogens and ill health. And then you add this to it and it just boils over or in somebody who's very healthy, extremely healthy, you add this in their bucket and they can handle it. They can handle that extra sort of abuse. So I think that's one of the take home things. And to your earlier point, there are sort of two types of people. There are people who are gonna walk away from this saying, hey, I really need to make sure I'm in the stronger, more immune boosted, uh, non-inflamed, non-burdened with chronic disease camp. So if this happens again, I can handle it. Uh, just like people who work out and hit the gym, they do that so they can pick up their grandkids, they can have functional mobility, uh, they want to stay strong and healthy. And I think we got to think about our immune systems now in the same way. And basically that boils down to eating lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, different colors, organic, getting all those phytonutrients and everything that keeps our body strong, staying at a healthy body weight, sleeping adequately so we don't suppress our immune system, you know, drinking water, loving what we do. Yeah, taking things like Green 85, of course, would be awesome. Juicing is awesome. Uh, but what, you know, a lot of people do the opposite. So then that takes me to the, these other folks that, you know, this thing will blow over at some point and it's back to the, you know, it's back to the fast food line. It's like my friend said the cake eaters, the, the what the cake eaters. He yeah, calls the cake them. Eaters. yeah I, I say in my practice too much steak and chocolate cake, too much booze and TV news. So it's, it's that kind of stuff. And, yeah, true. you know, you can be proactive or you can be reactive. So uh, unfortunately a lot of people are reactive, but increasingly people are proactive. I mean, just look at gyms in the United States. You go back to the seventies, there were very few fitness clubs. There certainly were no yoga studios. Yeah. And now you're just 50 years later, 40 years later. And it's like on every block, there's a spin cycle, yeah. part three yoga. I mean, the interest, the enthusiasm and the proactivity, at least for physical health, fitness and beauty are there. And for health, I think it's happening. Of course, that's why we have a vegan movement that's growing now. We have people very interested in fasting. And, and the fasting thing has not been around that long. You know, most, most people don't realize this, but intermittent fasting as, as an idea that people got excited about is really only in its second or third year. So we're, we're very early on with uh, the studies highlighting how you can use diet as a way to boost your immune system. Even Walter Longo, who's a mentor of mine at USC, who wrote the longevity diet and created the fasting five-day mimicking vegan program, said in a, in a webinar last week, hey, if you're stuck at home and you want to boost your immune system and you're not currently sick, you know, this five-day fasting mimicking is a great way to get your body healthy. Yeah, get yep. yourself cleaned out, get yourself healthy, uh, reduce your burden, detoxify, you know, so that you can handle- Save toilet paper. 
the toilet paper thing that's probably a, a, <laughs> be a whole top podcast you know yeah, <laughs> like, that's what i should have done i should have started the toilet paper podcast <laughs> like what is our obsession in the u.s with toilet paper? apparently you know people freak out i saw a meme with a guy paper. said this is how i pay my bills and he was like mailing out his bills instead of writing checks he was putting slips of toilet paper in with the bills <laughs> paying yeah. the toilet paper it's a hot commodity right now so uh, yeah, in regards to the COVID thing, uh, yeah. to, to polish off my thoughts, I think um, you know we're seeing that this uh, pathogen uh, can really just destroy people, sometimes even young people, especially if they have other chronic issues going on. Uh, I think it's definitely spreading faster than anyone thought, myself included. When the first case was identified of community spread in Seattle, I thought it was interesting, but uh, I, I said, well, I'm gonna wait to see if a lot of people get infected. And sure enough, you know, we have these exponential growth curves, the current estimates, and they're changing every day. We could be looking at up to 250,000 uh, deaths in the United States, uh, which is a lot worse than anybody thought. And instead of being on a model similar to South Korea, where they quickly contained it, you know, due to lack of testing and lack of stay in shelter orders being put into effect more quickly in the United States, it looks like we're on a track that's more similar to Italy. So. Uh, the fact that 90% of the U.S. is now under stay-at-home, uh, including Tim and I, which is why we're doing the this uh, Zoom podcast, uh, I think that's going to help. But it's it's uh, it's not it's not that it's too late. It's just that it's these interventions occurred later than they should have. And we know just the, the virulency of this thing is the other thing I would say that uh, surprised me. You know, most uh, colds, flus, and stuff are not transmitted. It seems as easily as this thing is. So. Um, you know, without having a lot of mass available, you know, you could potentially pick this up and it stays on surfaces, you know, it can stay on metal surfaces for, you know, more than a week. I think it's like two weeks or something in some cases. So there's some viruses. Yeah, that I saw a deal on that where it was like metal surfaces, pl plastic, I think was the longest. I think it was like two weeks. It was metal and glass and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and other virus and every virus is different. You know, like HIV dies super quickly once it's out of the body. Like, yeah, it's like, really fast but uh this COVID-19 thing is you know hangs on and the other thing I learned recently which I find really interesting and Dr. Gregor talks about this in a talk he gave in 2006 is that most of these flus measles tuberculosis all of these diseases come from raising animals so you know if you want to talk about vegetarianism from another standpoint if none of us uh you know raised animals for meat or eggs or dairy uh, there would not be, you know, the flu, there would not be this, uh, these avian flus, this uh, SARS or COVID. I mean, these all come from, uh, you know, basically raising animals is my understanding. And that's why the, uh, you know, the people in South America were decimated uh, when the Spanish conquistadors came over and in all Native Americans, you know, 99% of them died when they got exposed to these European diseases because they were not, uh, you know, the, the horticulture was not really happening uh, so much in the Americas. So they did not develop uh, resistance against the diseases that you acquire from raising animals. But Europe had been devastated by all of these, you know, pandemic events, which directly relate to the interaction of humans and animals, particularly in the context of, of sort of animal husbandry and horticulture and, and really exploitation as a food product. So, you know, I think you can make the argument that if everyone was vegan the last 10,000 years, uh, we wouldn't have any of these issues. So I think that's an interesting side point that nobody really has talked about yet. And I mean, the, the, I have thoughts and we could talk about the, the last aspect. And I think this is what my patients are interested in uh, mostly is, hey, how do I stay healthy? Obviously, good, healthy diet. But there are definitely some supplements you could take, uh, some of which are studied, some of which aren't really studied yet. But there's a lot of common sense ideas around what you can do to decrease your burden of inflammation, you know, improve your lung function, and even uh, things that have an antiviral or immune stimulating effect. Okay. Well, before we get into the, the how-tos and what we're going to recommend, because I know you got some good recommendations, and I want to share some stuff too. Um, you know, let's talk about this animal husbandry stuff too, because I think that, you know, nowadays, because of the, you know, these huge monocrops and this, like massive huge buildings with no sunlight where they're raising chickens and 
And, um, you know, the cows, um, I grew up in Eastern Oregon. We raised Hereford cattle for a living. So I know what that deal is all about. And, um, you know, I go over and see these places. It's like when you crowd animals or people into a confined area, and especially when you're blocking sunlight, which is the best disinfectant to kill these microbes, you know, that's where the problems begin. You know, these cows as an example, and these chickens are getting what's called acidosis. You probably know, and they have to feed them antibiotics. And guys, listen to this, 70% of all antibiotics that are made today by the pharmaceutical companies actually go to the animals that we're consuming because they're, they're feeding them non-GMO or they're feeding them genetically modified corn, genetically modified soy. That's not what a cow eats um, in real life. Same thing with chickens. I mean, I've heard some crazy stuff what they're feeding chickens, like feeding the chickens like, like ground up animals. These, these animals are basically sick all the time. So yeah, they're sick. They have to pump them full of antibiotics so they don't die. And they try to harvest them as soon as possible because if they live uh, longer than they want, they end up even more diseased. And there's a second reason they give antibiotics to cattle. Fatten them up. Yeah, they discovered, uh, as Tim said cor correctly, they discovered many years ago it made them fatter. And uh, it may be one of the reasons that there's obesity in the United States is the overuse of antibiotics. And we know uh, now more and more what this does to your gut microbiome. So these animals' guts are trashed. They're eating garbage. Their gut microbiomes is trashed. They're pumped full of things like arsenic and antibiotics. And, uh, you know, they're basically diseased. So what happens when you have a bunch of diseased animals living in close quarters who basically have a wiped out immune system? You create a, a breeding ground for a variety of pathogens that would otherwise have been sequestered by the animal totally. immune system. And, and yeah, so you just, you just create a Petri dish for germs and mutations and yeah. E. coli, you know, salmonella. I mean, these cows, man, I've seen some of these cows, they're in like eight to 10 inches of shit and piss living in that sift 24 seven. And then the dairy farms are terrible. These, these poor cows, they put those metal things on their nipples and their nipples are all just raw and red and it's terrible. And then they take the baby away from them and they're, eh, you know, screaming. It's just a, then the, you know, I think the, then they, the males go off and become veal. And then the female cows that they have, the dairy cows become more dairy cows. And what I heard was, is that they, what they used to do is like a cow would live like 21 years. And they would only milk, you'd only milk it when it was pregnant, you know, and it had during its cycle. Well, now they inject it with hormones to keep it lactating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The cow might only last four or five years and then just like tips over in exhaustion. But from an accountant's side of uh, things, it's way less input in time and care and feed and medicine to keep that cow alive. So it makes their out product cheaper, basically. But yeah. that's scary because what, what does that mean? It means that we're consuming something that's disgustingly diseased and, and full of toxic chemicals. And in, in the case of dairy, it's not even, it's, it's, it's a milk for another species, which is really odd. But I want to get back to um, staying on topic here with the coronavirus, um, unless you had anything else to add about uh, animal husbandry, pretty much it. So... Um, yeah, so let's talk about this big problem that um, you just you discovered and I discovered too, uh, and then we found out we both discovered it, which was ibuprofen. Can you speak about that and the coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of waffling, I think, from the uh, health agencies as to whether uh, there was enough evidence, but uh, it seems like there's growing consensus now that if you're symptomatic with coronavirus and you're taking ibuprofen, uh, your outcomes are not going to be as good. And they've measured ibuprofen levels in hospitalized patients in places like Italy and China. And those who tested positive for uh, levels of ibuprofen, you know, they could correlate their outcomes and they're, they're simply not as good. And there could be a few reasons. It could be that, <clears throat> it could be that ibuprofen itself is sort of bad news uh, yeah. in the context. Or it could be that the people taking a lot of ibuprofen have a lot of other chronic health issues. So I think it, it remains to be seen whether it's association or causation. Uh, but, you know, if there's no good reason to take ibuprofen or no great reason to take it, and you do start to develop symptoms uh, at the very beginning of developing symptoms, you probably should stop taking ibuprofen. I mean, in light of this information, of course, talk to your doctor at first, but that seems to be... Uh, or your nurse practitioner. Or your uh, nurse practitioner, NPA, uh, et cetera. Uh, the other thing I would say is there is a little bit of noise about a class of antihypertensive or blood pressure lowering medications uh, that they may also be problematic. 
And uh, we don't know fully yet, but those could be drugs like lisinopril, losartan. Those are uh, uh, ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers. And it's a little early to, to say, but there, there could be a few different drugs that increase uh, the prevalence of poor outcomes in, in people. So we're just trying to stay tuned of those things. There's also some drugs that are being studied to give people uh, at the onset of symptoms that might change the course of their illness of COVID-19. One of those drugs is an anti-malarial drug uh, called hydroxychloroquine, otherwise known by the brand name as Plaquenil, uh, which is in short supply now. It's usually used for things like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, but uh, it is showing promise and there is- What are the side effects of that? You know, at the doses they're showing, uh, I, I, I don't wanna say nothing, but it's very low dose. And uh, I'm not anti-pharmaceutical drug, but I do think everything has a risk benefit. Mm -hmm. And these drugs show some kind of promise and the alternative is being on a ventilator for another 10 days. Uh, you know, there's a lot of drugs you can prescribe in medicine. Hydroxychloroquine giving someone for a week or something is, is not really a big deal, in my, in my opinion, from a uh, risk-benefit analysis point of view. So although you could say, you know, hey, this is a malaria drug, uh, actually, it's been studied for many decades. Pretty safe stuff, actually. Okay. Well, you know, there, there is a time and place for, for that kind of stuff, but I just wanted to hit home. Like, so just in case if you're, if you're taking ibuprofen or if you're on blood pressure medication, you know, check into that stuff. And again, I'm not a doctor. We, I don't make medical claims. I don't want to, you know, we, we always consult your doctor or your physician before you do anything, change anything, or you're messing around with your medications. But you know, in my, my camp, like if you're on blood pressure medication, that's a check engine light. You got some problems already and you got to get off that stuff and you got to change your lifestyle and not just take a pill. You're masking symptoms and it's going to get worse and worse. And if you've taken ibuprofen, what are you taking those for? Well, you're probably in pain. You probably got arthritis. And again, it's going to go back to your lifestyle and what you're putting down your throat. I was shoveling crap down my throat and that's why I was 38 pounds overweight. I had blood coming out of my stool. I had to get a surgery. I had leaky gut syndrome. I had eczema on my elbows, my knee. I was a mess. I wasn't sleeping good. I was fatigued acid reflux. I mean, I, dude, I was like rotten from the inside out. So I changed that stuff. I detoxed and cleansed. And that I'm just hoping that this whole Corona thing is what it's going to be a huge wake up call for people to get enlightened or frightened, yeah. whichever one's going to get them to start taking responsibility for their health and moving forward. So all yeah, right, I, so hope, I hope all these like pundits on CNN and everywhere else start talking about about this. You know, they're they're largely just uh, hyper focused on, you know, unavailability of things like masks and ventilators and how the hospitals are overwhelmed and how, you know, a million people might die. And all those things are true. Uh, but it is also true that we have millions and millions of people dying from pharmaceutical drugs, the sequela of chronic disease, cardiometabolic syndrome, obesity. Yeah, and that, millions. As you said, it's directly correlated to what we're putting in our mouths. So why are we not, why is there not at least equal time devoted to, hey, and by the way, uh, there's so much suffering in this world as a direct consequence of the food choices we make. And it's a lot of food and diet and nutrition is not rocket science. You just have to eat real food and you have to avoid animal products as best as possible. And uh, life is pretty good, you know, and, but when we lean entirely on processed food and meat, uh, we destroy our body with too much animal protein that's well studied and too much sugar. And this is the American diet. It's very high in protein and sugar. And the combination of those things have an additive uh, destructive power on the body. And that's why we get diabetes now when we're 20 years old or 30 years old, which was never before seen in the history of human existence. Yeah. So we are, we are careening towards worse and worse health. Our offspring will be less healthier than us. Their offspring are going to be less healthy. So there's going to be 10-year-olds having heart attacks in another generation or two if we keep doing this to ourselves. And uh, the cure takes more than one generation. It's going to be uh, three or four generations of people eating healthy again, just to get back to the level of health robustness people were at yeah. you know, in the 30s and 40s. So we have a multi-generational health crisis. Uh, this COVID epidemic is just highlighting yet another facet of how our defense shield is down. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we sort of contextualize it properly and use it as yet another reminder and maybe in, leverage all available assets to convince people that, you know, by and large, the government is not going to get you healthier. It's up to you. It's up to you to learn how to eat better. It's up to you to listen to the right information and podcasts. A lot of this stuff is common sense, as I said. 
but we can make the complicated science very simple, just saying, hey, you need to dramatically increase the amount of fresh, fibrous plants, nuts, seeds, beans that you eat uh, if you want to be healthy. That aren't sprayed with pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, all that crap. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the yeah. two top things to avoid uh, besides genetically modified and inorganic food in general is, is uh, processed refined carbohydrates and animal protein. I mean, you cool. want to... And you want to fill in that gap, say that's a big gap for you, maybe that's half your diet, you got to fill that in with plants. So that's what I tell patients, you take out, you know, the refined processed foods and animal products, and you're going to fill that gap with plants. And if you don't know what to eat, you got to go look at plants again, it could be, you know, mushrooms, celery, bell peppers, uh, avocados, you know, all that good stuff. Green leaf. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff. And one thing for those, cause you know, I have a lot of people tuning in that are also, um, that are meat eaters and they're not going to change anytime soon. But you know, what I tell them is like, what should I do with my diet? I'm like, just eat lots of vegetables. Just make the main focus on veggies, you know, and that huge study that was done called the China study. That was like the largest study ever. And the, the Chinese over there were healthy before they started getting Americanized with McDonald's and all the crap. And then that's when obesity started over there. So they would eat mostly vegetables and they had just a tiny little bit of meat for flavoring. They didn't eat a whole lot and they were pretty darn healthy. China. I they lived were, in China during the uh, SARS epidemic uh, about 20 years ago. And uh, I lived in a province called Sichuan. And uh, I can tell you that uh, that's true. The plate of food you get is a big pile of veggies. And if you do get meat, it's more like a condiment. So uh, in America, we supersize everything. So we took what ordinarily would be a condiment on the side of a dish or mixed into a dish, and we made it the dish. And then, you know, the dish became meat and potatoes. And, you know, that's a real disastrous combination if you... And now it's even worse than that because the meat is terrible compared to 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so bad. And now we're supersized. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to show you how to unsupersize yourself. Um, we're going to get into some uh, and also we're going to get into um, some of Jeff's tips on how to boost your immune system to fight all viruses, not just the coronavirus. And maybe we'll find out what the heck Jeff eats on a daily basis to keep him so healthy itself so healthy at age 42 so we'll be right back in just a moment hi i'm health coach tim james from chemicalfreebody.com we're offering you a great opportunity to try our health coaching for free so click on the get offer button to book a free 30-minute health coaching call also as a thank you for booking with us i'm going to give you this uh free copy of our gut detox guide for you to download. This is a $67 value. You're going to love it. We use it with all our coaching clients. I use it myself. So book your health coaching call right now and we'll talk to you soon. Welcome back health heroes. Tim James here, your host. I am so happy to be here with uh, Jeff Grimm, nurse practitioner. Uh, his business is BioLounge PDX. That's BioLoungePDX.com. And um, we've been talking a lot about your story, and then we've got into antibiotics, and we've been talking about viruses. We've been all over the place. Now let's, we, we kind of talked about the problems, and we also, we, we identified that ibuprofen and some heart um, or blood pressure-lowering medications might actually accentuate and make the COVID virus even way worse for people. So make sure you look into that. I think that's a big thing. Um, now I want you to get into, Jeff, like if you had the COVID virus, and your, let's say, you know, 75 year old mom who's not as strong as you physically, and she might eat more of the standard American diet. She's not that healthy. Maybe she's on a couple meds. What would you recommend for her and for yourself? Yeah. So uh, I guess two things. I would think about it in terms of things you could do uh, to boost your immune system if you're not positive for this. Uh, and if you are positive for COVID and you are showing some symptoms, uh, you could sort of increase the dose on some of these things. Of course, you'd want to be working with a doctor as well if you do become symptomatic. But basically, uh, there's you know five or six supplements that we've been putting out on our podcast that we think would be beneficial. And in no particular order, let me go through the list. So vitamin C, you know, maybe a couple thousand milligrams three times a day. Multiple day dosing is important for C because you want your serum levels to stay steady. That has anti-inflammatory and antiviral properties. Uh, next would be maybe NAC, particularly if you're somebody who has uh, impaired lung function, 
NAC is also known as N-acetylcysteine. There are many studies showing NAC is prophylactic against seasonal flu. That's 600 or 500 milligrams three times a day. If you do start getting shortness of breath, you can increase the dose two or three times that. Uh, of course, in conjunction with working with your doctor, NAC increases something called glutathione in the body, which is very good. It's a master antioxidant. It's also good for lung function. NAC decreases mucous membrane, uh, uh, sort of, it increases the, uh, it basically thins out uh, mucus in the uh, lungs. So that's good in the context of this huge. COVID-19. Yeah, and it's well studied, super well studied. Another one we like, and NAC I like quite a bit. Another one we like is uh, stragalus. Astragalus has been studied uh, you know, in traditional Chinese medicine, but also Western medicine as being very good for the immune system. If you can find one that's standardized to cycloastragonol or astragaloside 4, those are the compounds that have been shown in human clinical studies to boost immune cell function like natural killer cells. Can you say those two again really slow so people can hear it? Astragalus uh, you know, is okay, but if you can find a standardized product uh, where they've standardized the active molecules, which mm -hmm. are called cycloastragonol and astragalus side four. Okay. Uh, those products are going to be probably a little bit more valuable. The next one down for me might be uh, licorice. Licorice also very well studied as an antiviral. We used to have a- Oh uh, man, you got people eating licorice? Not Twizzlers. We're talking about licorice. <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, licorice- I've never read the Chinese uh, Yellow Emperor's Handbook, but it's the oldest treatise on Chinese medicine. And the herb they talk about more than any other is licorice. So it's got a historical, but also modern day validation as being a very strong antiviral. Uh, caveat is it can increase blood pressure in some folks. So, you know, again, work with your naturopath, doctor, whatever. Okay. Uh, but uh, the solid licorice extract uh, is the one I like. It's by Wise Woman Herbals. It's very concentrated. And that's two or three times a day, an eighth of a teaspoon, uh, somewhere around that dose. Uh, let's see, what else? So uh, a lot of people take uh, elderberry. There was a little bit of noise on that, maybe not being good, but uh, most of the uh, herbalists and naturopaths and, and scientists have said, oh, it's probably actually good. It's pretty well studied for flu and respiratory issues secondary to flu. So elderberry is probably an oldie but goodie, and a lot of people already have that uh, in their homes. It's usually the elderberry extract that you want. Uh, typically, it's in a glycerin uh, base. Yeah, so uh, this is a good... This is, what's that? All right, I forgot about talking about vitamin D, which, which might be my number one. Uh, vitamin D is actually very well studied. There's a meta-analysis, which is a study of studies, where they looked at 25 studies looking into if you took a vitamin D supplement, if it helped your lung function and respiratory function. And it turns out 25 studies on vitamin D showed that it did. So that's pretty strong evidence for vitamin D. And that's you know usually recommending 5,000 units a day. And by the way, vitamin D toxicity, though, it, it sort of oddly terrifies every doctor in the United States is uh, pretty much unheard of in the scientific literature. There's only about 30 cases ever, and they were in people taking two or 300,000 units a day. So five or 10,000 units of vitamin D is never gonna cause toxicity. So just know that. And uh, that's pretty much the recommended dose, at least for the Northwest, but probably most of the country. So if you're worried about this and you got vitamin D at home, you got vitamin C at home already, uh, I, would, I would go with that. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty powerful maybe, combo. Maybe the top two, but the other ones are very interesting too. Nice. That's a, that's a good little list. And again, could you, really quick, could you speak to like how important it is if for somebody has, you know, they're concerned about how important it is to detox and clean out your gut and clean your blood, your fat, clean up your blood and, you know, and put some good nutrition in your body. And what that, what does detoxing do to someone's immune system? Well, first of all, your body is, Ability to adapt to stress and to handle uh, any insult, whether it's a physical injury or a virus, depends on, you know, how burdened the system is. If the system is not particularly burdened, it can do what it needs to do. It can mobilize energy and resources to take care of business. So detoxification falls into that. <clears throat> you know, if you're, if you're very toxic, you have a high toxic load, you're very acidic, your gut's a mess, you're on a bunch of pharmaceutical medications, yeah. Uh, your, your immune response is going to be uh, affected. Your body is not going to have the ability to, to mobilize a lot of energy toward a certain direction if it's so busy using the limited energy it has uh, fighting fires all over your body. So anything you can do to cool down uh, systemic inflammation, the burden of chronic disease, obesity and its collateral issues with inflammation, exposure to environmental toxins and chemicals is good. Now, detoxing comes into concert with eating healthy, you know, you probably don't want to go straight from a standard American diet into a detox. It'd be nice to uh, 
start cleaning your diet up, then working on, you know, maybe cleaning out your liver, your gut, and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of ways to detox. Probably the most simple is simply uh, fasting. You know, things like enemas and stuff like that are helpful, but uh, we're well, a lot of people aren't willing to do that stuff, but keep in mind, cause I know Jeff, you've carried like, um, you know, you've carried the green 85 juice formula down at your place and our probiotics, but we have two products for people just eating burgers all day long. I don't have them change nothing. And that's gut cleanse plus and critical cleanse. And you know, gut cleanse plus originally trefola, right? It's yeah. a base of that. So those are things that people can do very gently to get started detoxing without having to go through all these major symptoms. That's the whole, that's what I've done, dude, over the last, you know, 10 years, I've learned this because you got to meet people where they're at. And a lot of people don't want to be running to the bathroom or having night sweats or headaches as they're detoxing. Um, well, let me tell you, let me tell you an anecdote that uh, sort of ties into what you're saying. When I was 18 years old, I was at a uh, uh, bookstore and I was approached by somebody selling uh, blue green algae. And, mm -hmm. You know, I went on to become a distributor for a short period of time for uh, this company that sold blue green algae. And the people who were taking this stuff were sort of average, unhealthy Americans with all kinds of issues. <clears throat> and the stuff they were saying sounded kind of crazy. Like I, you know, started taking this algae, and you know, I got more energy, and I'm sleeping better, and I feel, and I, you know, there there may have been elements of truth to that. So if you one another classic example is. You know, if your first thing in the morning is a fresh uh, raw juice, you know, most people are going to feel that. You're going to feel good. Your body will be more alkaline. It will be able to uh, clean the liver out more efficiently. Your cells will be in a better environment to get rid of toxins. So uh, going back to what you said, and it's awesome that you've got products that are very rich in, you know, phytonutrients and other antioxidants and that are raw and are basically you can just mix with water to flood your system with, with awesome, raw, vibrant nutrition. Mm -hmm. And there will be a positive effect if people integrate that even in a crappy lifestyle context. Now it's great to eat good and do those things on top of it, but yeah, why not? I mean, and, and going the raw food route, raw food and detoxification seem to go together hand in hand as does fasting in my mind. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you want to accelerate the ability to cleanse your body, uh, there's really nothing like juicing, you know? Yeah. Juicing is powerful. Just make sure you guys aren't juicing a bunch of carrots and beets and too much apples because there's just way too damn much sugar in that stuff. And that sugar is going to feed disease and we don't want that. So just stick with cucumbers and celery and, you know, ginger root and turmeric root. And, and um, if you want to put a little apple in it, I recommend a green apple because it's a lot lower in, in sugar content. You don't need much. Juicing can also be anti-inflammatory. So one aspect of this COVID-19 thing is inflammation so a great you know if you've got a juicer you know you could juice the middle part of a pineapple which is really high in bromelain you could juice as tim said turmeric ginger put a bunch of celery cucumber maybe a couple carrots you know maybe some kale spinach or something like that and you've got yourself not only an awesome raw low glycemic juice but it's also potentially potently anti-inflammatory mm-hmm yeah, and it's, it is anti-inflammatory because if you skip the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and go for a juice, you just anti-inflammatory yourself. <laughs> that's, that's the reality of it because you're not eating that other crap. Okay, man. So, yeah. So, you know, guys, detoxing and nutrition is going to be the foundation, but then there's targeted approaches like high doses of vitamin C, um, high doses of vitamin D3. Um, and I, I mentioned to you earlier, I was just listening to Dr. Shiva and he said that vitamin D3 is kind of like, it has like a gun and it shoots holes in the viruses on a microscopic level, which I thought was really cool. I wanted to look into that some more. I figured I'd throw that at you and I figured you'd probably go look it up too. So I the last thing I want to talk about, what's that? Oh, just one quick thing about vitamin D. <clears throat> you know, every cell in your body has a receptor for vitamin D that's ever been studied, mm -hmm. but the uh, macrophage, which is a type of immune cell. When you give it vitamin D, it, it activates something in the macrophage immune cell that allows it to produce hydrogen peroxide more efficiently. So your immune system uses hydrogen peroxide to kill pathogens. So its ability to kill these things gets ramped up once its receptors are activated by more circulating vitamin D. That's just one of probably thousands of mechanisms of vitamin D for immune function. Awesome. Good, good, good share there. So I want to talk about IVs. 
So um, I want to talk about, we just talked about peroxide. So what about peroxide IVs, ozone IVs, vitamin C IVs, colloidal silver IVs? You guys do a lot of IVs down there. Um, have you seen anything where people have done vitamin C IVs and knocked out the coronavirus? Or uh, not, like not, not personally, uh, but the studies are there, you know, and the doses are all over the place. But there's, to my knowledge, at this point, at least three or four hospitals in the United States now using, uh, you know, about two grams, I think, every six hours or so uh, amongst uh, symptomatic uh, hospitalized COVID-19 patients. There were some studies and data coming out of uh, Shanghai. One of the areas outside of Shanghai was using doses, I think it was 16 grams. Uh, and so there's a sort of smattering of hospitals uh, that have these uh, protocols, anywhere from a few grams a day up to maybe 25 grams a day IV of vitamin C. And one of the reasons that works is because intravenous vitamin C is, is, is directly antiviral, but also anti-inflammatory. And the issues with this disease are respiratory failure and respiratory distress and fibrosis. So if you've got vitamin C on board, you're able to uh, kind of nuke some of that uh, cascading inflammation. Basically, you have this inflammatory cascade mm -hmm. that starts to roll downhill like an avalanche. And then in a very short order, your lungs are fibrotic. They basically have turned into thick fibrous tissue and can't even expand and you're dead. So uh, IV vitamin C is a no brainer and it, most hospitals have it. They have it in their formulary. It is a, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's not on their radar. It's not in their armamentarium. They did not learn about it in medical school. They're scared of it. They think nutrients don't do anything, but what about uh, scurvy? We know it works. You know, thank God there are some doctors in the U.S. that are, uh, despite maybe their lack of training or, or uh, biases, are doing this because it's common sense. It's ridiculously safe. They have it in the hospital already. And I think you will see a trend, you know, especially maybe amongst the younger physicians. You know, as soon as one of your colleagues does this and tells you there's good results, you better believe people do it. That, that there's the hundredth monkey phenomenon. So once enough people do it, it becomes part of the collective Right. And then it, it happens. And I think we're going to see a bit of a wider acceptance maybe of intravenous vitamin C, uh, especially if they can look retrospectively and say, hey, the guys that got vitamin C, they did, you know, 50% better or 200% better. And yeah. I think that data is going to be very interesting. And how cool would that be where people, if you got diagnosed, they could just hit them with vitamin C, um, you know, give them some green juices, give them a little protocol, send them home and they, and they heal up really quick. That would be nice. Yeah, it'd be really are, good. The, the problem with the doctors is that they have this thing called standard of care, which you know, and I think that's what scares a lot of them away. They're afraid of losing their license by doing some of these natural things that work, which to me is like, it's so crazy. Like, why is it that our answers always have to come from a, a pharmaceutical company? Why? Why do they have to come from there? And then the pharmaceutical companies, a lot of times, they're getting their drugs from nature where they'll take something in nature, a phytochemical, and they'll synthesize the one part of it and then patent it and it's profitable, right? And we know the profit margins are ridiculously huge. And at $3.3 trillion spent every year in healthcare in this country, and we're ranked like 38th to 42nd in the world, our healthcare is in the toilet. Like, why do we keep doing the same thing? Yeah, well, it's because uh, we're entrenched in a system that monetizes the development often uh, at very high expense of pharmaceutical drugs to treat chronic disease. So we basically are stuck in a paradigm of treating and suppressing symptoms related to chronic disease versus preventing and reversing chronic disease. And the investment, the money, the lobbying power, uh, the legislative bodies are by and large run by you know, pharmaceutical and insurance company interests. Mm -hmm. So it's no surprise and it's no mystery. It's just our systems are built on the profit uh, side of things. And pharmaceutical companies are uh, the primary stakeholders in this medical delivery system. Yeah. So they're going to look like dinosaurs in another few decades because chronic disease, you can give somebody 10 drugs for their heart disease and diabetes but their outcomes do not change. They still die at, at about the same time. Uh, so it's, we're not really saving anybody with any of these drugs anyway, by and large. There are some exceptions, of course, and there are some good drugs out there. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a catastrophe waiting to happen. 
everybody's getting burdened with more and more disease at younger age and the drugs that are developed are really just yeah, dude, it, it ain't working they're not even band-aids i don't even like that analogy because a band-aid assumes that you're uh, supporting the healing process you're you're not even doing that you're just lowering a particular symptom or a level of something in your blood like cholesterol but the underlying issue the driver the fire that is uh, behind that is not addressed. So of course you still develop all the collateral effects of that disease process, despite being on medications to quote unquote, treat your disease. Yeah. It really pisses me off too, man. Cause my dad has been, my dad's a stand up guy. I mean, he is a straight shooter. He would, he like you, you know, Superman doesn't lie. Okay. Then he's freaking Superman. This guy, he doesn't lie. He tells the truth and he's against drugs. He, you know, he just totally against old school. Right. And for the last 20 years, I've watched him, his health just get worse and worse and worse. And it's just been this medication and that medication, then more medications and this medication, they switch it. And then he has side effects and they switch it. And some of the switcheroos they've done has really harmed him. Like they, he had these pain meds was just, and they switched them and they should have pared it down and then got him back on the other one. That was the whole protocol they told me afterwards. And they just switched. And then he, he just kind of lost his head. He was walking out of there and he fell and hit his elbow and he had to go back in and they had to stitch up his elbow and he bruised his whole side just from the, from the switch. Right. And, um, anyway, it's just, it's really frustrating to me, but man, is there anything else that you want to share before we uh, bid adieu? You know, I think if, if people are watching this and they're still, uh, we're still dealing with this coronavirus thing, uh, you know, eat good. Don't, overstress, make sure that you're sleeping at least seven hours a night. Uh, lack of sleep is one of the biggest ways to suppress your immune system. And yes. nobody is talking about sleep right now. But if you're not sleeping, if you're sleeping six or less hours a night, uh, you're, you're, uh, you know, half your army is no longer present to fight off anything. So sleep well. Uh, if you're, you know, struggling with weight loss, uh, and you want to lose weight, I think a lot of elements of intermittent fasting might be helpful. It also might decrease inflammation. So that means just, you know, you don't have to get crazy, but go 12 to maybe 14 hours between dinner and breakfast, eat a plant-based diet as best as possible. If you do eat meat, try to use it like a condiment, try to avoid any processed refined carbohydrates. The high blood sugar and diabetes epidemic in the United States also uh, creates poor outcomes in regards to uh, this COVID-19 lowers immune system and increases the risk of cancer. Uh, otherwise, exercise if you can at home to keep your immune system strong. You can do uh, you know, YouTube videos, short high intensity workouts, jog around the neighborhood, et cetera. Um, those Walk are all around the block, just move. Go outside, I mean, going out in nature uh, for an hour increases natural killer cells by 200%. These are your, uh, you know, part of your immune system. So you can keep your immune system strong simply by breathing fresh air and nature. So that's uh, really important. So there's a lot of common sense things you can do to keep your immune system strong. There's a couple of nutrients that we talked about. And of course, just follow the, follow the guidelines. You know, there are some smart people telling us to stay at home and to, uh, you know, stay six feet away from other people and use good hand hygiene and all that stuff is great. I mean, you're, you're less likely to transmit this to other people. Absolutely. If you're able to wear a mask if you're washing your hands. So, you know, especially young people, I think uh, they're a little bit more cavalier here if they're healthy, but you could kill somebody who's 70 and not even know it was your fault. So uh, that's the concern there. And, and those are real valid concerns. So yeah, follow those advice. You know, they're, they're common sense things. None of us knew this much about sort of hand hygiene until this epidemic, I think. But uh, I think one of the reasons Oregon's doing pretty good is because our, you know, our sort of stay-at-home order kicked in a little quicker than some other places. Mm -hmm. And people out there seem to be taking it seriously. I know a lot of businesses that voluntarily closed uh, before the governor's mandate, and now a lot of us are forced to close appropriately. And people seem to be obeying this stuff. And our rates, although they are going up, we're nowhere near as bad as uh, California and Seattle at the moment. Yeah. And your landlord's going to let you skip that lease payment, right? Uh, I did get a notification of that about four or five days ago. Uh, there's other small business uh, loan stuff coming in the pipeline in the next couple of days for small business owners to be able to pay employees uh, through the uh, SBA. Uh, it's, it's an interesting time, uh, you know, in terms of how small businesses can stay afloat. And a lot of medical providers are affected. You know, if you're a medical practice that can't do phone consults, like you're a chiropractor, acupuncturist, uh, you know, dentist, 
Uh, I have a colleague that does joint injections. Like most of these people are out of a job and some of these guys were making, you know, a million dollars a year and now they're making zero and they still have all their payments and their homes and whatever, yep. you know, the staff and everything, you know? So I, I think I just talked to a, uh, I won't say who it is, but it's a woman who owns, I don't know, five or six uh, pretty famous restaurants in Portland here. And, uh, you know, it's tough. These people are wondering if their doors are going to stay open or not after this thing. If they can reopen. Well, dude, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's been a lot of help. And it sounds to me like the medicines that you're prescribing to people are fresh air, pure water, clean, healthy food, move your body, get some sunshine, and, um, and then vitamin C, vitamin D, and detoxing. And, you know, sauna, saunas, saunas and hot tubs if you've got them. Oh yeah, saunas, man. Infrared saunas. I, I did that when I went I did another episode on this stuff. So awesome, dude. Well, anyway, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, because you, you guys can help people um, over the phone now, right? I mean, you've been doing yep. that before. We can do video consults. So uh, you know, you can uh schedule a new patient visit through our website, bioloungepdx.com, get in touch with me. You know, I'll send you new patient paperwork and so forth. And uh we could work uh, in that capacity. You know, we do, like I said, a lot of uh, anti-aging hormone replacement therapy, uh, preventative medicine. We run the yep. gamut of diagnostic tests, food allergy testing, gut tests, genetic tests, yeah. all kinds of things you could imagine. But basically, individualized medicine, trying to figure out what will make people uh, stay strong and healthy and reverse and prevent chronic disease. That's awesome, man. So yeah, if you guys want to hook up with somebody and get a nurse practitioner, which sounds like it's pretty much a doctor to me, you've got all the stuff down there. You want to you get, get their help. You can reach out to them at bioloungepdx.com. And again, the best thing about you is that you're a living, breathing testament. That's what I like about it. you're living the lifestyle. And when people see you, I mean, you're freaking healthy, freaking healthy. You know, we, we try and I get, uh, I get super interested in this stuff and I have I have people I look up to in the health space, and I think there's always room for improvement. A lot of this stuff, as we've talked over this uh, episode, is common sense, but uh, sometimes things aren't common sense, and you learn something new. Like I yeah. learned, we talked about saunas for a second. I learned a lot about saunas in the last year and how, uh, how powerful that is to prevent cardiovascular disease. Even the, uh, you know, some of the bigger uh, medical agencies are starting to recognize uh, both the power of things like saunas and fasting. I've always been into fasting, but it's just the last two years that got me even more excited. I've done nine fasts in the last two years because uh, now I'm really using that as much more of a uh, uh, health strategy and longevity and health span extension strategy. It's powerful. It's powerful. I'm on day nine. You brought up nine days, nine times. I haven't done it nine, nine, nine times. I did a five-day water fast last year. Remember that one when you took my yeah. blood? Yeah, you're on day nine of uh, what kind of fast? Or um, I'm doing uh, green 85. Um, three times a day, I'm doing flaxseed water, purified water, caffeine-free teas, and I'm making a chai tea latte with half the almond. Um, I make fresh almond milk or walnut yep. milk or whatever, and then I put the chai tea in there. It's caffeine-free. Yeah. And stevia to sweeten it. I have that in the mornings, just kind of like a, awesome. So you're almost doing. It's like a. Uh, it's almost like a, a ketogenic, but you know, kind of like. Yeah, I'm, oh, and I'm also doing a, a large heaping tea, tea, tablespoon of. Irish sea moss gel that I make here at home morning and night. Okay. That's it. Nice. And day nine, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's way easier than the water fasting. Let me tell you <laughs> that water. fast. Yeah, I know. I know. Day water fasting five kicked my brutal. ass. Yeah. I, I only made it three days on a water fast last year. Uh, mostly I've done the fasting mimicking diet the last two years, but yeah. I cool. Cool. All right, guys. So you can check Jeff out, Jeff Grimm at bio lounge PDX. Check him out. Um, you can, uh, teleconference with him all over the all over the world i mean we're doing this stuff all the world he can help you out if you got a if you got a visa card he can help you right thanks tim i appreciate you having me on and uh thanks to all the listeners uh maybe we'll interface uh with you guys out there and just if you're getting healthy thinking about getting healthy staying healthy that's the main thing let's create you know more contagion around what people can do to stay physically fit and healthy because that's not only going to help you it's going to help the world. It's going to help your ability to do the things you want to help other people. If we're uh, healthier, we can make a bigger difference on this planet. If we're doing healthy things, uh, the planet gets healthier. We get healthier.
Absolutely. And, how, and where do they follow you at? What, what other social media platforms are you on? We've got a BioLounge business page on uh, Facebook is BioLounge PDX. And we've got Instagram, which is also BioLounge PDX. Cool. All right. Well, check him out. And that's a good idea too, Jeff, because uh, what you're talking about is our whole model over here. It's change yourself, change your world. And I'll leave you guys with that. And we'll see you again in the next episode of the Health Hero Show. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's time, Health Hero, to jumpstart your energy and burn that fat with the simplest, healthiest, most badass detox and nutrition system on the planet. Grab your jumpstart bundle today at chemicalfreebody.com forward slash health hero. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. 